Welcome to the Unbound Healing Podcast. I'm Anne-Marie Garland, nutritional therapist and health coach at Grassfed Salsa. And with me is my co-host, Michelle Hoover, certified nutritional therapy practitioner and writer of everything you'll find at Unbound Wellness. Here we share everything about overcoming health challenges from autoimmunity to hormone imbalance and more with holistic living, mindset shifts, practical tips, and a real food paleo approach. Remember our disclaimer, the content within this podcast is intended to provide general information and is not to be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now let's get on with the show. How is growing a baby going? Oh, it's going so well. Um, I think when this one, let's see, when this one comes out, I will be, uh, I will be heading home to Kansas to be going to my second baby shower. Oh, so exciting. I know. It's so exciting. We're doing a a shower brunch, like a brunch shower because I love brunches. Love it. I had a brunch wedding, so I'm pro events. That's perfect. A brunch wedding is pretty perfect. It was pretty perfect. (laughs) So how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm head down working on some things. Yes. And yeah. Any updates for us? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Updates to share now, I guess. Um, I'm like new. I'm like, I got a new sweater. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Updates I want to share now, at least while we're still in the middle of October. So something that I did in September is I gave a percentage of my book sales to hurricane relief, which was really great to be able to do that. And thank everybody who supported me to be able to do that. And this month I'm inspired to kind of keep going on with that. And obviously the goal with giving a percentage of my book sales is not to get more book sales. I, I, you know, people buy the book whether or not they want it, but it's more so to just bring attention to a certain cause that I'm passionate about and just be able to give a percentage of what, you know, I'm blessed to be able to earn off of what I love doing to something that I want to give back to. So there's an organization here in Dallas that I've been looking into giving more of my support and time to called New Friends, New Life. And that's here, like I said, locally in Dallas. And they are Uh, organization that helps women and children both kind of get back up on their feet, get a second chance after coming out of the sex trafficking industry. They started, there's a lot of um, strip clubs and sex industry stuff kind of going on underground and above ground here in Dallas. It's kind of crazy when you look at the numbers. It's insane. So that's how this organization started, but they really help support women one-on-one. They have classes every week. They have programs together to help these women. And, you know, if I can use my little platform for anything other than just talking about bone broth to be able to bring attention to something, that's definitely something I want to bring attention to. So you can check them out. We'll put them in the show notes, but just know that I just want to bring attention to that. So that's my big update right now. I love that so much. And it very, very loosely ties into my update. Um, Well, so I'll switch my updates around for what I was going to talk about first. So um, just to kind of tie into yours, there is a website that I just found called On Our Moon. And they are 
I just like fell into a rabbit hole on this website. It's kind of like a crowdsourced website. So they have a bunch of different authors, bunch of different topics, and it seems very like feminine based. Um, and their Instagram account is also really amazing. And they featured somebody on here, uh, Ruthie Lindsay. She's another Instagram personality, um, but she is in the chronic health world, I guess. Um, but so I wanted to kind of share what she had to say about viewing her chronic illness differently. And it's something that I found again from On Our Moon. So you can find it there if you're interested, but I just really love this account and what they're promoting. So what Ruthie Lindsay said about her chronic illness is that we teach people how to see us. I don't know what it was, but something changed and I decided I was tired of people always feeling sorry for me. If we lead from a place of brokenness, insecurity, or bitterness, that is exactly who they will think we are. But if we lead from a place of love and whole wholeness with compassion and strength, they are able to see us for who we really are. I started to speak out loud the beautiful things I saw in people, places, and experiences I was having. I was looking for it and I was speaking it. And what's so amazing is that as I was looking for beauty all around me, I was reconnecting with my community. The more I made myself get out of bed and connect and love people, the less I was noticing how much I was hurting. The very nature of pain is selfish and pulls our focus inward. When I focused my energy outward, when I was doing things that were life-giving, things that I loved, I wasn't thinking about my pain. I just loved that. Like I it, love that. It, yeah, it reminded me of you because I've heard you say things like that so much about just changing your mindset around your, you. chronic, yeah, your chronic illness. And it was just so beautifully put. And I found it really inspirational, even just thinking back to how miserable I was during my first trimester. And um, that's comparatively can be nothing um, compared to what some people in the chronic illness have dealt with, but just looking back at like how I could have approached that differently and not been so isolating myself. But um, anyway, so I really love that. I wanted to share that with everyone. So it's not really my update, just an update that I found. Um, I like it. It's yeah. Good. And then my I'll update, <laughs> thanks. So then my update is just um, following up on episode 15 when I asked if there was any interest among any of you guys for an AIP support program to be kind of added to my list. So that would be launching here in the next couple of weeks. So if you're interested and this is timely, go ahead and let me know and I'm going to put that together. But if it's just something that you feel like it's not kind of on your radar um, or something that you would have time to deal with at that holiday season, um, yeah, then I won't, I won't put it together. So that's it. Save it for another day. Yeah. All right. So what are you loving? Something that I'm really into right now, which it's not new. Some of it is new. Some of it is older. So the KC Naturals sauces, have you heard of these? Yeah, yes. so Casey's Naturals is Kansas City Naturals, and I don't think that all of their sauces and all their stuff is AIP compliant, but they do have an amazing array of AIP compliant things. And for me, nightshades are some of my worst reactions that I can get away with a fair amount of non-AIP foods at this point, but nightshades, it's pretty bleak for me. 
That's always been one of my worst reactions. And I love tomato everything, like barbecue <laughs> sauce, ketchup, 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 tomato sauce. I love that. And there are options. There are plenty of recipes out there for making your own tomato sauce and tomato ketchup and AIP barbecue sauce. Yes, these things exist, but we all cook so much anyway. I cook tons of food and to have to make a sauce on top of that, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of extra effort that I don't always put forth. And a lot of the times my meals could be a lot more bland than they would be if they had barbecue sauce on them. So Casey Naturals, I've just recently started having their barbecue sauce. It's amazing. It is AIP compliant. Um, you can put it on top of meat, vegetables, whatever. I'll just have like a little bowl, uh, like ground turkey and vegetables and just pour some barbecue sauce on it. Instantly elevates it. And they just started doing ketchup and tomato sauce. The ketchup is everything that I need it to be. It's tangy. It's sweet. It's not too sweet. It tastes just like ketchup. And I've been eating that on like parsnip fries and butternut squash fries. It's so, so good. So not sponsored. Yeah, we're, this is Legit. not sponsored. This is legitimately not sponsored. This is just, hey, if you have not tried this yet, go on to Amazon. That's currently where they're selling. I think they plan to sell on their website as well. So right now they're selling on Amazon or you could go to their website. Highly recommended if you haven't had it yet. Yeah, they're, um, I actually saw them when we just got back from Minnesota from visiting James's family and we saw them in the natural grocers there. Yeah, I was super tempted are- to buy them. They are in some natural grocers, not anywhere in Dallas that I've seen, but you know, you get it on Amazon. It's pretty easy. They were having some issues with the ketchup in the beginning that Amazon was just not shipping it, but now I got it. So (laughs) there you go. Cool. All right. So with this with today's topic, this was inspired by one of my Ditch Your Nutritionist students who is following AIP. And so she was transitioning onto AIP specifically with the group. And when I reached out to just kind of check in, see how everybody was doing at this point in the protocol, um, she mentioned that she had fallen off the wagon due to some just some life circumstances that had come up, some stressful events that had come up. And it really made me feel, I I just really wanted to address this topic because I see this happen a lot. It's something that I dealt with twice. I tried to start the protocol twice and wasn't able to stick to it twice until I kind of wrapped my mindset around everything that AIP is, what it entailed, and really set myself up for success. And I just wanted to kind of share all of that with you. So we thought coming off of episode 16, so just the last episode, we thought that this would be nice to just kind of follow up with uh, Sarah Ballantyne's response to all of our AIP questions and just kind of keep that topic or theme going. So with Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, she did 
address um, the basics of AIP, but just so that this podcast is kind of a standalone podcast, we do want to go into that again here. So just the basics, what the program entails, we're going to really quickly brush over this and then go into like, if you are one of those people who have tried following this protocol or any restrictive protocol and you just can't seem to stick with it, even if your focus is on health versus dieting, then we're going to give you some tools and resources and just some helpful tips on, on ways that you can kind of combat that. I was going to say that too, that this is not, if you're low FODMAP or just paleo, whatever, this episode is still for you. It's not just AIP. That's just what we talk about the most, but this is falling off the wagon, quote unquote, just in general. Right. Yeah. Okay. So with AIP specifically, so this is a dietary protocol, but it's also a lifestyle protocol. So with the diet, the autoimmune protocol is specifically geared towards people who are suffering from autoimmune diseases, and it eliminates common triggers uh, for autoimmunity. And they're triggers for a variety of different reasons, which we are not going to get into. And if you're interested in learning about that, you can hop back over to episode 16. But those foods, just a brief list of them, it's going to include things like eggs, dairy, nightshades, grains, legumes, um, sugar, like processed refined sugars, and just sugar in excess in general, since sugar can be very pro-inflammatory alcohols. What else am I missing? Soy. It's a high level. Nuts and seeds. Yeah. So that's pretty much it with the diet. And so in addition to eliminating these foods, it also focuses on the inclusion of very nutrient dense and healing foods. And that's often something that's missing from a lot of different protocols. So again, this is something we've talked about in our elimination diet Uh, episode, which was, I don't know, episode five, maybe. And really the programs that you look at and that you follow, you should always focus not just on what you're eliminating, but also what can be included. And that way it doesn't feel like a deprivation diet. It just feels like, okay, I'm shifting things around in my life. Okay. So then there are also lifestyle aspects. And the reason why I think this is important is because in this case in particular, my student who quote unquote, fell off the wagon, this is the factor that caused her to do that. So with uh, this protocol, you also need to optimize your sleep, stress, and exercise. And there are lots of other things within that. There's mindset, um, just like career satisfaction. We're going to go into all of that later into just different ways to help support you through the success of a a successful transition into any dietary protocol. But what we often don't realize when we start these dietary protocols is that there are so many more components to it. And if any of those components are out of sync, it may actually not be the foods in general that are causing you to struggle. It may be some of these other lifestyle aspects. And so we really need to make sure that those are all tuned in and that we're focusing on them and optimizing them in the beginning and that way it just makes that a much more successful transition. The next thing that we really want to talk about in the overall 
topic of this podcast is why you may fall off the wagon. Quote and unquote. yes, quote unquote. If you even like that phrase, a lot of people don't. Yeah. Um, so there are a bunch of different reasons why this might happen. And I'm going to go into some of them that we're more passionate about. So one thing that I see a lot is viewing the dietary protocol that you're on and that you're following, whether that be AIP or like Michelle said, low FODMAP or GAPS. If you're following this or like any portion of your mindset is that this is another diet, that there is a weight loss component to it, that there is some type of aesthetic component to this protocol, that could cause you to fall off the wagon. And the problem for that is that vanity and aesthetics can only get you so far. Mm. And it can only have so much of a motivating factor before these other things start to get into the way. And, I totally agree. Right. And so what I mean by that is like, I realize that we live in a society that heavily promotes a certain body type and a certain aesthetic to be an ideal. And, and that's a real thing. And that's very difficult for so many people to accept and to not fall into the trap of feeling like they need to conform to a certain, a certain shape or look or aesthetic or whatever it may be. But when it comes to, let's say you have a family member. Okay. Let's say that you lose your house. So I I've been seeing this in the hurricane issues that we've had recently where someone following AIP for a year, I mean, they were on it. They were solid. They were motivated, all of that. And then they lose their house in a hurricane, something totally unexpected. And they fall off the wagon. They go back to a standard American diet. Now, because of that, um, that can happen because of stress and it, it can happen because you're out of control of so many other aspects of your life and diet just kind of goes along with that. Um, and that's okay. And it, what it makes me want to transition this topic over to is the AIP perfection mindset. So this is another thing that may have you fall off the wagon of whatever diet you're on. And it's just feeling like you have to be perfect or else it's not worth it. And mm -hmm. so the minute that you mess up or you have a slip up or you eat something that you feel like you shouldn't or isn't perfect, then you've just thrown in the towel, you've messed everything up and there's no point in continuing on. And it's a slippery slope that just like you just, it leads you down the road from one poor decision to the next. Now, if we can change our minds where it's like, this doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. This doesn't have to be a perfectionist thing and that I'm allowed to eat some type of indulgent foods that still comply with whatever protocol I'm on, then it's going to make it so much easier for you. And you don't have to worry about like going all in and being a hundred percent on the diet right from the very beginning. So whether you're starting out or not, this perfectionist mindset is really, can be really detrimental to the success overall with how long you stay on the, the protocol. 
And that's something that I definitely dealt with. And every time I've done an AIP reset, since the, the third time that I tried AIP and I was actually successful, stuck with it, did reintroductions pretty well. Um, since then, like I've done a few different AIP resets and I've always kind of tailored it to myself because you all know my history with disordered eating and I know for me that I have to be a little bit more lenient with, for example, how much sugar I allow into my diet. And I think that's really, really important because yes, sugar can be pro-inflammatory, but I know that this isn't something that I'm eating on a day-to-day -day basis. And so if I eat something that doesn't include it, it has no refined sugars and every other ingredient in this cookie, for example, is compliant to the autoimmune protocol, then yeah, if the only difference is that it has a little bit more sugar, well, this is an indulgent, an indulgence, and I would rather it taste really well and me to feel completely satisfied than to be following something 100% AIP perfect and having a low sugar treat that doesn't satisfy my, my need. And so figuring out what that line of perfectionism means to you, because some people may think, well, that's like hardly being a perfectionist in it because you're still 100% compliant. You're just eating a little more sugar than you should. Well, then maybe your line of perfectionism is to have occasions where you just, you eat what you want. And maybe that's like, two months down the road of healing and it sets you back a few weeks and that's fine because you made that decision to eat that food and you get to deal with the repercussions. It doesn't mean that you're not AIP anymore. It doesn't mean that you're not perfect. It doesn't have anything to do with you and your self-worth. It just is a decision that you made about something you wanted to eat in that moment and you learn from it, whether you choose to eat that food again in the future or not. But it doesn't mean that you have to completely derail yourself and that all of your efforts for the past few months were completely lost. Yeah. Exhale. <laughs> <laughs> So you can tell that I was like slightly passionate about that. Um, the other thing I did talk about this very slightly, but uh, trying to jump into the diet hundred percent right off the bat is also a surefire way to not succeed or not mm -hmm. have the success that you want. And I'll go into that again to like def defining for yourself what success looks like. But I remember the very first time that I tried AIP. I was still vegetarian and I, James was making me a smoothie and he was like, oh, you can have, or I'm putting hemp seeds in it for protein. I was like, I can't have hemp seeds. And he was like, well, n but that's, that's silly. Like, why can't you have hemp seeds? This, this, and this, they're like so helpful. They're so beneficial. He was like going off on it. I'm like, yeah, why can't I? And it, to me though, like as soon as I drank that smoothie, I was no longer AIP on my start date, so I had already messed up very first meal of the day and just decided to throw in the towel altogether. Didn't even try to start the diet for months after that, and it was because I wanted hemp seeds in my smoothie. I mean, it just seems like remembering back to that just seems so crazy that I was so hard on myself about it, and it was just this resistance from me. Like, 
I was so resistant to, to trying to make it work. Um, anyway, so what I, what I wanted to get out there is that there are phased options available. You don't have to jump right into the autoimmune protocol. And my AIP version of my Ditcher Nutritionist ebook has a phased outline is available. There's also a program SAD to AIP in six, and that's run by Angie Alt. And I have a friend who's done that program before, and she rocked the autoimmune protocol. So I think the phased option just worked really well for her. And so if that's something that I would say the majority of people benefit more from a phased option than people who, who do the cold turkey option. So maybe that's what you want to do. And, and yeah, it would extend your protocol a little bit, maybe two weeks, maybe six weeks, but in the grand scheme of things and the, like over the entire course of your life, if you can be successful on the first try, because you take it a little bit slower in the beginning, why not do that? And you don't have to follow an outline. You don't have to follow my program or Angie's program to do this phased option. Like do it for yourself, like figure out what foods are you most resistant to giving up and have those eliminated last. So you slowly, like you slowly, um, start excluding some of those foods that I listed earlier. And then if coffee is the last thing you want to give up, well, after you've given up all these other foods and you've made those tough transitions, then you can focus on your coffee. And maybe it's not like a, a cold turkey thing. Maybe it's every other day. Maybe you have a coffee for a few weekends a month. I don't know. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, but those were my three things. What do you have to say? So talking about mindset when we're still in that realm of just thinking about how you want to approach this diet and a little bit what we were talking about before. So the number one thing that I talk about with my clients of what was holding me back so greatly, I just had, uh, I guess we just did coffee and like a little work sec session with Kara and Christina when Christina was in Dallas mm -hmm. from the, they do the straight up paleo podcast and Kara lives here in Dallas. So I did a little session with them and we were talking about, you know, getting onto this lifestyle and what held us back and how long it took us there. And I told them that I don't think that I was ever able to be, I, I went years knowing that I needed to be gluten-free from the time I was 18 to 22 or something. Jeez, 23-ish. So I don't even know. Many years, many. <laughs> just knowing that I needed to do this. And, uh, you know, every week I would be like, this is my week. I'm going to do it. And then I just wouldn't, I always would stop. And I was like, what was holding me back? And I had people in my life. <laughs> I can't just blame it all on them, but because I internalized a lot of it too, but I had people in my life that were 120% well-meaning, but they were always telling me, you know, like, Oh, you can't eat anything and I feel so bad for you and look at you. Oh, this is so sad. And that's how I would feel is that I can't have 
anything. I can't eat gluten. That means I can't have pizza. I can't have goldfish. I can't have, you know, I can't have all of these different foods. And that's how I always walked around feeling and saying that I, I kept quote unquote falling off the bandwagon because I felt bad for myself. And that's where my mindset was of just feeling like, oh, this AIP or even being gluten-free or paleo is just so hard. Like I feel so bad for myself. That's what held me back from being fully compliant for so long. And I talk about this in every podcast you hear me on and everything that I talk about, that's what was the change for me of dropping that mindset of, oh, poor me into, no, like this is awesome for me. I have an answer for something that can make me feel a lot better, not a hundred percent better, but 80, 90% better. You know, the majority of the time I have an answer and I need to be following through with that. Not saying that, oh, I feel so bad for myself. I just have to keep, stop doing this because I feel so bad, but this is something that's empowering me to feel better and not something that's oppressive. So I was always falling off with that mindset. And something else that I hear a lot of people say, a lot of my clients and something that held me back again forever when I was in college, I would sit there watching people in the cafeteria going and getting brownies and pizza and whatever saying, well, if they can eat that, why can't I? Or like you were saying with the hemp seeds, like, well, well, why not? Why can't I do it? Why can't I go to McDonald's and eat this? Why can't I be at this football party eating a I would not be at a football party. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, no, I wouldn't. I, I'm sorry if I offend anybody, but I do not like football. Anyway, <laughs> it's a party, a some sort of a cat petting party. Why can't I be at this cat petting party and not be able to eat pizza? But and so many people hold that around saying, well, why can't I do it if everybody else is? And they keep, quote unquote, falling off the bandwagon because they just want to be able to do what everybody else can do. Here's the thing. We don't know anything about those people's actual life. And even when it's people that we know intimately, like our family, our friends, they likely have something going on that they're not attributing to the food, whether that be headaches, acne, something that they're just saying, oh yeah, I just get headaches. Oh yeah, I just get acne. It could be attributed to that brownie, to that pizza, or it's not, there's something going on with them that's not even showing but could be that they are dealing with some sort of reaction that you're not because you're avoiding it. Or who cares? Honestly, who cares what they do? Even if they are or not having a reaction. I remember when I was a kid, it was always just keep your eyes on your own plate. And that's the same sort of mentality I have to give myself now. Just keep my eyes on my own plate. Who cares what this person sitting at the other end of the table is eating from me, whether or not I know the situation, I don't care. Like this is my life. I know the situation that I have. I know I have Hashimoto's disease. I know I have these gut issues I have to work around. And I know that these are the protocols and the templates that work best for me. That's what I care about. That's what matters to me. So Girl, yes. And you touched on something that I meant to talk about earlier that I, th I actually think I was on the roll of talking about and then I like got off course. So thank you for saying that. Um, because yes, like when you shift your mindset from this being um, 
in my case, like shifting my mindset from it being a diet to being about my health, my health was so much more motivating than my overall aesthetics. And you may not think that that's the case for you until you start to feel better. And you don't know what it feels like to feel good until you actually get to that point. There were so many chronic issues that I was dealing with that I had no idea because I'd been dealing with them my entire life. The way that I describe it is when I was a kid, I always had bad eyesight and I never even knew because I didn't know what good eyesight felt like. And eventually one day, I, it, it was in fifth grade, I think, I was sat at the way back of the class in the beginning of the year in school. Like, I can't see the board. And it was the first time I had sat that far back in the class. So I finally realized that I needed glasses. And the first time when I went and got glasses, I walked outside and for the first time I saw the world clearly in my entire life. And I saw like leaves on the trees and, you know, outlines in the pavement. And I had never seen any of that before. And it was just so beautiful and amazing because I was like, I've been missing out on this my whole life. And I didn't even know, but yeah, that's what that's like. Being able to, you know, when I finally went and I was compliant, I was able to see, okay, this is what I've been missing out on. And a lot of the times when you're quote unquote falling off or not able to reach that point, that's a really easy way to keep, that's why I was falling off for and not able to be compliant for five years or however long, because I had never reached that point of this is what it feels like to feel good. I just kept thinking that it was this oppressive thing. So giving yourself that opportunity to feel that good. And one more thing I wanted to slide in there before we move on something that you had brought up, you know, having your appearance be your motivator. I have a blog post about this that we can link in the show notes, but if you go onto my blog, it's, um, it's about like weight gain and weight loss with Hashimoto's. So with Hashimoto's, that's a big, thing that you're gaining and losing weight. And I was always gaining and losing weight. And every time that I lost weight, it was a sign that my thyroid wasn't doing well. I would always lose more weight than was healthful for me. But everybody, all of a sudden I became the popular cool girl because I was all of a sudden skinny. And then I would gain the weight back and people would stop saying all those things or not as many people would talk to me or not as many guys would talk to me. And it took several kind of cycles of that where I was like, I need to stay on this diet because I want to look good. I want to look good. I want to be thin. And I went through the several cycles of being thin and everybody liking me and then gaining literally 10, 20 pounds, not even that much weight. It's not even that significant of amount of weight. And the way that people treated me completely changed. And now I'm just able to look at it and be like, forget those people. Like those people suck. I'm sorry. Like if you're going to treat somebody completely differently, if they are like 10 or 20 pounds more or less, like you have a lot to like introspectively think like you have a lot to work on, buddy. (laughs) Really going to treat people that differently for how they look. And a lot of the times, I mean, not everybody that does it is a super crappy person. Unfortunately, that's kind of the way that we're wired to treat pretty people better. But honestly, a lot of the people that were treating me better were not great people to begin with. And 
10, 20 pounds does not make or break a person and having acne or not having acne or having, you know, thinning hair versus not thinning hair, that does not make or break a person. And the people in your life that are really worth it and the man or the woman who really loves you and the people that are really your friends, they're still going to be there regardless of whether or not you have acne or whether or not you have 10, 20 pounds. So you're appearance should not be your motivator in doing AIP, in doing low FODMAP. And I had to learn the hard way myself. And I'm sure I could spew this all the time forever. And there are still plenty of people that are going to have to learn it the hard way. But that's my cautionary tale of making this about weight or making it about, oh, poor me. It just doesn't work. And even if it's just like a tiny little thing in the back of your mind, it's still there and it's still something that you need to address and figure out a a way to make it not about that, to make that not your focus. And there are so many different things that could be like creating that as a focus for you. And likely none of them have to do with food and they all have to do with, with something else other than food that's making you feel like you have to meet this certain aesthetic. Um, It's actually, so that's actually a perfect transition for my, what I wanted to talk about specifically with mindset, which is um, what brought me to that website that I was talking about earlier on our moon was an article that I found called, are you eating Instagram for breakfast? And I, thought that it was going to be something about like people posting photos of their food and then feeling like they had to eat that food or something. I'm not really sure what I thought it was about, but it totally surprised me. And what they talk about was, or what the author communicated was that we eat a lot of things besides food. And what she means by that is the way that your the way that you're thinking and interacting in the world, the things that you're, that are communicating with you, whether they be the movies and the TV shows you watch or the Instagram accounts you follow, whether they're food related or not, are all affecting the way that you view yourself and the way that you treat yourself and the way that you interact with the world around you. And so mindset in this case, like maybe a negative mindset is seeing AIP perfect or diet perfect Instagram accounts. Maybe it's seeing um, health and fitness Instagrammers who are who are like showing their bodies and they're just putting this idea into your head that this is the way that it needs to be and this is the way that you should be. I think that's what I found so refreshing about this website was them just like busting through this plateau of like this is the way that it has to be because that's not true. It it can be whatever your entire life, like the way you view yourself, the way other people view you can be completely different. Um, You can define that for yourself, but you have to figure out a way to surround yourself and immerse yourself with resources that are supportive of that, of the way that you want your life to look. And yeah, focusing on aesthetics likely isn't going to to get you to that, that place that you want aesthetic uh, sources. Anyway. Okay. So I think that I don't even know if that made sense, but let's move on. So the last thing that we wanted to talk about was, oh, in falling off the wagon. So reasons you might be falling off the wagon. This is if you are missing your primary foods. And this is what I was talking about when 
you may feel like you have to reach a certain set of aesthetic goals. Likely it's not related to food. It's likely relating to you missing one of these primary foods. And primary foods, if you are familiar with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition's philosophy, primary foods are not foods at all. And they are one of the most impactful things about our health. And so different primary foods that I often see people not feeling fulfillment in and having that affect their relationships negatively. And Elena from Grazed and Enthused actually just posted about this on her Instagram account as well. Um, maybe I'll read that later. But these different primary foods are like relationships. So if you're not satisfied in your relationship, I see that so so much with women who are feeling like they have to reach a certain set of aesthetic goals. Um, so often is it tied back to either not being in a supportive relationship or not being in any relationship at all or not having healthy relationships with their friends. Mm -hmm. I've noticed I have a, a certain group of friends who I love. They're so dear to me. But when I talk to this particular group and when I'm like close to them and, and meeting with them frequently, I start to feel myself slide back into those aesthetic goals because I'll hear them mention like very small one-off things. But that's where it goes back to like the things that I'm surrounding myself with, the sources that I'm surrounding myself with are impacting me and the way that I view the world. And that's why it's really important to kind of edit that. So relationships play a role in that. Spiritual satisfaction is another thing that I feel like people are very resistant to admit, but oftentimes lacking in any type of spiritual fulfillment can, can be impacting your health overall. Uh, creative satisfaction and then job satisfaction. Do you have anything else that you wanted to add to primary foods, Michelle? I think that's a good list for sure. Um, yeah. So what Elena said, I took a screenshot of her story was she said, the mind must heal before the body. I'm so tired of seeing so many AIP hit a wall because they aren't being honest with their self. I did it too. It's why I can recognize it. AIP works, but only gets you so far if you're not fulfilling your human need for love, passion, belonging, fun, laughter, and freedom. Amen. Amen. Okay. So we've this identified fix everything. Yes. So we've identified way or reasons why you may have had a hard time sticking to AIP. Now we're going to talk about how to rock your transition to the autoimmune protocol or whatever dietary protocol is that you are trying. So the first thing that I wanted to mention here is that you need to realize that rocking your transition to this protocol doesn't have to mean 100% compliance. And that may be a very frowned upon or unpopular opinion, but my opinion on these things is that it doesn't have to be 100% in the beginning because eventually you will get there. Mm -hmm. And maybe you won't heal all the way because you still are resistant to giving up gluten or you're still resistant to giving up coffee. But eventually you're going to realize, okay, I'm 50% of the way there. How much better could I feel if I just gave up this last vice? How can I do this? How can I replace it with something that's just as delicious? And you'll figure it out. And, and that's the thing, like you just have to give yourself the opportunity to get there and to allow this to be your journey. 
because it is, it's your own journey. And that journey is whatever it may look like. Your success isn't defined by your compliance. You get to define what your success looks like. Um, okay. So then there's also another tip I have is to focus on just one week at a time. And what I mean by that is when on that third time that I tried AIP and I was successful, I started out by telling myself, okay, I'm just going to do this for one week. And the reason why I did that was to me, the thought of doing this for six to eight weeks minimum was completely overwhelming. And I know looking back now, I'm like, that was three years ago, six weeks, three years ago. I don't even remember that. Mm -hmm. But at the time I was in a very different place in my life. I was getting drinks with my friends after work. I was going to get brunch out to eat every single weekend with James. I was buying a coffee at the local coffee shop every single day. Like that was my life. And so the thought of six weeks without happy hours and brunches and daily coffees was so overwhelming. So what I told myself was, okay, I'm just going to do this for a week. If by next Friday, I like, don't like it, it's too hard, then whatever. I'll, I'll like on my next grocery shopping trip, I'll buy whatever foods I was purchasing before. So I did one grocery trip that was entirely AIP. I planned all of my meals so that I didn't eat out during that time. And within a week, um, uh, Michelle and I have talked about this already. Like within a week, I had already lost like seven pounds of, of inflammation just because there were so many foods that I was eating that was triggering this chronic inflammation. And I know we're talking about weight loss here and we were just saying that this shouldn't be an, an aesthetic goal. Um, but for me, that was a huge indicator that, oh my goodness, I am on the right track. This wasn't even that hard. I was eating delicious recipes, like making delicious food. And so I was able to do another week and I never looked at it as like, this is a six to eight week protocol minimum. It was, this is something that I'm doing week by week. Every single week I can go to the grocery store and buy non AIP foods. So if you do that, it makes it just a little bit more manageable and a little less overwhelming and intimidating. The other tip I have is to pick a start date for your new protocol and make that start date about a week out and stick to it. So instead of making excuses, having something come up and suddenly there's a birthday party for a coworker and you're like, okay, I'll just, instead of starting on Monday, I'll start on Wednesday. And that way I can have cake with my coworkers on Tuesday. There are always going to be events every single mm -hmm. month that are going to make it difficult for you to follow this protocol. Totally. And that's another reason why I feel like it's so important to have indulgent AIP foods or protocol compliant foods that are a little bit more indulgent, a little bit more iffy, but they still aren't introducing nuts and seeds or something that's off protocol. I think it's really important to have those foods on hand so that you can say like, all right, well, this is my first coworker's birthday where I'm following something where I can't partake in the donuts. And so I'm going to bring my own AIP donut that maybe has a little more sugar than I would eat on a, a regular basis, but at least I can still feel like I'm included. And maybe you only have to do that with the first coworker's birthday. And after that, you feel confident in your decisions and you don't need the donut every single month, but it's good to have those on those like rare occasions. 
So pick a start date, pick it for about a week out so you can fully wrap your mind around it, get your mind ready, and stick to that start date. Okay, next, uh, tell your friends and family what you are doing and why. The reason this is really important, and your coworkers for that matter, so anybody that you spend a good amount of time with, this is going to be really important so that they can support you through the process. And it helps to do it in advance before you start so that you can have the hard conversations with them rather than waiting until you're out having dinner with your friend and they ask you why you're not drinking or they ask you why you're not having chips and salsa. It's really important to tell them ahead of time just so that they know and that they can support you and they don't tempt you because a lot of times they're not even going to realize that they're tempting you by saying like, why aren't you eating chips? You know, they, and it also puts you into the position where you might feel uncomfortable talking about it at that time. So just doing that ahead of time is going to be really helpful and asking for their support and not just saying like, I don't know, can I have your support? But say like, are you willing to support me in this? I've read somewhere that if you phrase it that way, it puts the standard back on them. Like who's going to mm -hmm. say, no, I'm not willing to support you. No. Um, right. I've people in my life that have said no. Yeah. I, but they're not there anymore. So bye Felicia. Yep. Exact same. Um, so anyway, okay, let's see what else. Oh, educating yourself on the why behind what you're doing. So mm -hmm. if it's the autoimmune protocol, are you doing this to reduce inflammation, to support your health, and to reduce your autoimmune symptoms? Those are three freaking rock star ways to like tell yourself that this is a really great program for you. Whereas if you're like, I really want to lose three pounds. That's going to be really difficult to, mm -hmm. to just educate yourself on. So um, educating yourself on the whys behind the protocol. Why are you doing this? What's the incentive? What's the motivation? Like, what do you want to get out of it? It's going to help so much in that initial transition. I think my last two things here, no, three things. Okay. So the next two things are a little bit contrived, but just so important, which is exactly why they're in here. Prepping snacks ahead of time. So coming up with a list of compliant snacks that you can have because that is one place where if you don't, I mean, even to this day, if I'm hungry and I don't have a like Epic bar and avocado or some sweet potato chips on hand, I get, or plantain chips, I'll get like really grouchy. I'm like, God, mm -hmm. like, what can I even eat? Like just feeling very down on myself. So making sure that you have prepped snacks ahead of time is going to help a lot. And also meal planning. So finding recipes that you're really excited to make and they're compliant and not just trying to go easy and like, oh, I'm just going to do grilled chicken and broccoli and maybe have a salad with olive oil dressing on the side. Like, that's fine. And I eat that way the majority of the time now, but in the beginning, when you're coming from feeling like I can eat anything to now being, I'm restricting like the types of foods that I'm eating here. It helps to have foods that you can really get excited about, even if it's not every single night, but you can think like, Oh, I have three meals this week that I'm really, really excited about and looking forward to making and eating. All right, and the last thing is to find an AIP support system, and that is so incredibly beneficial. It can be, there are so many different Facebook groups on 
AIP support. Um, we so, yes, we, we have, have an, a podcast group. It'll be linked in the show notes. <laughs> it's always linked in the show notes too. So um, you guys are welcome to go back to any in the archives and, and see those. So there is uh, an Unbound Healing Podcast Facebook group. Lots of AIP Facebook groups. If you're trying the Whole30, that's on there as well. I'm sure there are GAPS Facebook groups. I mean, pretty much every single thing that you could possibly think of, any dietary protocol, there's going to be support systems on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Facebook isn't always enough though. Sometimes you need somebody that you can text and somebody who's maybe one step removed from you. And that's why in my online program, I have accountability buddies because sometimes if you just have your support system being a spouse or a roommate who is eating the same as you while you guys are together, but then is doing their own thing when they're at work. Um, Speaking from experience here, there could be times where your spouse doesn't feel they're not actively engaged in the same healing process as you. So they're doing it with you, but they're also like doing their own thing on the side. Well, they may not, they, there may be days where they have a bad day and they're like, geez, let's just, let's just open a bottle of wine. Let's just have a glass of wine together. And they're right there. And so that's like really tempting. Whereas your accountability putty who lives like across the country from you is not going to say, let's just open a bottle of wine together and give Mm. up on the AIP, you know? So if you were to text that accountability buddy and say, oh my gosh, I just had the worst day. I'm so tempted. They might be able to help you talk you, talk you out of it rather than somebody who's there with you that may help you like slide away from your goals. Anything you want to add there? I'm rocking your transition, Michelle. Added a lot of good stuff there. I'm like, this is your passion topic, so I'm letting you just kind of like go. Yeah, I was just so dogmatic my entire college, grad school, and even like early adult, I don't know, time frame. I mean, there was a full decade, I feel like, that I gave up to just being so dogmatic about being vegetarian and low calorie and low fat and all the things and focused on aesthetics. And as soon as I was able to release that, my life just got so much better. James and I were actually just talking about this, about how when he met me, I really didn't know like anything about nutrition. What I knew was taught to me by Self Magazine, healthy living bloggers, and was focused on calorie counting. Mm -hmm. And everything else has just been a change. And since he's come into my life, my life has gotten so much better. And that's when all these changes happened. That's when I started reprioritizing things and not focusing on aesthetic goals. And anyway, so it's just a really, a great way for me personally to realize like the, the progress that I've made. So that's why I'm passionate about this. I hope this was helpful to you guys. Um, if we didn't make anything clear, like feel free to reach out. I want to be here to support you in your transition and not making it dogmatic about whatever protocol I'm following and what protocol I feel like you need to follow because that's not up to me. It's up to you. And that's it. What's your meal of the week? Okay. (laughs) Speaking of not dogmatic (laughs) things, um, fall desserts. So (laughs) Early on in pregnancy, I wanted absolutely nothing to do with anything sweet. And now it's like, 
all the sweet foods all the time, which is probably why I'm having, I think, a slight candida flare, but that's okay. Um, just rolling with it in the meantime. So fall desserts. Um, I Since we are talking about AIP, I wanted to share a couple of my favorite fall desserts on my website that are AIP compliant. One that I am making for a friend who just celebrated her birthday, and she specifically She's never followed AIP, but she specifically asked for these cookies. Um, I have a salted caramel apple parfait, which is like so easy and so, so good. And then there is uh, cranberry grapefruit cookies. So both of those are AIP. They're more indulgent than most AIP dessert recipes, but they're just on occasion. It's not something that I eat every day. So that's it. We'll have both have those linked so in the show notes on my blog right now. I just did pumpkin donuts. I have a pumpkin bread. There's a lot of this stuff going around. There's Ball no find. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So that's All it for this desserts. week, right? Mm-hmm. All right. We will see you guys next week and you can find us on the internet in the meantime. Also, we've made our way uh, quite a big dent in our listener questions list. So if you guys have any questions for us, feel free to send them into the podcast. And that you can do that at unboundhealing at gmail.com. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Unbound Healing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe in iTunes and leave us a review. Until next time, you can find more from me, Anne, at grassfedsalsa.com and more from Michelle at unboundwellness.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.